0: everyone and welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. Um, this is the second episode and I am very excited to have my mom here, which I think it's, it's the best beginning that you can ever have. Like that's the person that you meet, you should meet first um, when you hear a podcast. A mom is, is the fundamental idea of a person, um, especially my mom. So it's one 1 a.m., in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and it's 8 a.m. in Israel, where I grew up, where my mom is, um, and you are uh, hearing us basically talking here on Zoom. And yeah, so my mom is Lauren Inbar. Hi, Mom. Hi. <laughs> and she's, <Okay. laughs> she's sitting there on the couch looking at me at, from her very, very known um, corner of the house, Um, my mom is, is a mother of four. She's also a midwife. She's also a daughter. She's also a sister. Um, she's a woman. She's many, many things. And, um, when, you know, I asked her like, mom, what do you want to talk about? Like when we're having our conversation, because we usually, we talk about our very intimate things, right? It's a mom and a daughter relationship. Um, but we it's it's weird for us I know it's weird for me to have that kind of a transformation between having like a very deep one-on-one conversation to something that is deep but is less intimate or intimate in a different way um so when I asked her like what do you want to talk about like we can talk about um like a sisterhood like a woman's sisterhood and we can talk about parenting and we can talk about just transformations and movements, you know, she she lived a little bit longer than me on this planet. So, movements across our lives and her life. Um, What did you say, mom?
1: I said that I think that all of those subjects have a lot of common themes and that we could basically talk about all of them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, the first subject you brought up was transitions. Transitions in people's lives. I think that's what you meant. Maybe you meant transitions from one place to another place.
0: It could be all of it.
1: All right. So what do you think about transitions? <laughs> Are you with transitions?
0: I, I think I do a lot of trans gis trans gis transis, Transitions. Not quite. <laughs> Almost there um so mom before we actually start talking can you tell me or uh, like the people that are listening a little bit more about who you are you can like start from whatever point you feel is relevant for you
1: i think that um, a lot of things kind of depends on the day that you ask me that question maybe even the hour that you ask me that question i would say the most important Part of me is the part of me that's a mother. I think that's been extremely important to me. And I've put most of my emotional energy, I think, in my life in trying to be a good mom. I have four amazing kids Mm -hmm. that are very, very different and very positive forces in the universe. Um, And I am also a daughter, which is right now sort of becoming a bigger part of my life because my father is sick. So that's sort of like taken a lot of a huge chunk out of my week and out of my out of my mindset and things that I think about every day. And I am also um, a spiritual person. I'm kind of exploring in my mind more and more. What does that mean? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for the Jewish part of me? Because I'm also a Jew I'm a Jewish woman. I'm not only a Jew. Like, it's a whole different slant on being Jewish, is to be a Jewish woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I'm, I try and be a good friend to different people. Mm-hmm. I think that's enough. For eight o'clock in the morning, don't you think? That's
0: a lot, Mom. It's
1: a lot <laughs> that's of work. A lot.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm also married, which is
0: uh, a whole different project,
1: which we're not going to talk about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom is married to my dad it's something that is important to say cuz it's not obvious. That's right. That's not it's not to be taken for granted. Yeah. So, here's what I heard. Like I always we always talk about, you know, self-definition and stuff like that because we're both very very thinking like beings. Um, you know, it sounds like you are in in a transition right now, right? Cuz Very much so. You you're becoming uh it's weird to say, but like an active daughter kind of. Like, you need to be active about the duty of, of a do- of a daughter, basically. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wanted to leave that, like, a little bit on the side for a minute. <laughs> and, to, <laughs> and to ask you, my grandfather has been really sick and we're all very, not all of us, but mainly my mom is very around it, uh, as she should be. But it's it's been rough. So I wanted to, like, leave it on the side a little bit and actually ask you, what was You know, when you were 26, when you were my age, you basically married dad, right? You got married. And a year after, you had me. I'm the oldest. That's right. And then you had three other more kids (laughs) that are not me, (laughs) that are my great siblings. What was, like, the transition that you would say was like, like, I can say that for me, um, changed everything you thought you knew. For me, moving to the U.S. was maybe one of like the biggest transit transitions. I like, you know, like I said in the first episode, I did not, I did not know what I'm going like to see or experience or anything. I thought I had it. Did you have, you know, you also moved, like, you know, you moved from America to Israel when you were young, but it changed your life in many ways. And you
1: that had, was a hard transition. Yeah. We don't
0: really talk about that a lot
1: yeah i moved I moved to Israel when I was ten, the beginning of fifth grade, and mm-hmm. it was a very hard transition um, i think I think the difference between American mentality and Israeli mentality is significant, which you've now experienced on the other side of the continuum of living in Israel versus living in america and i was I was a full person at the age of ten, in other words yeah I was. Comfortable, and I read a lot in English, and I, you know, I knew the manner and mannerisms of being an American kid, and I I went to a small school because I went to a Jewish school, so there were ten kids in my class, and, you know. And I, the, we had a lot of energy around going to shul because my parents became religious when we lived in the last place that I lived in the state was, which was Dayton, Ohio, and then I I moved to Israel, and the difference in the mentality of the kids was overwhelming Um, and there were also a lot of creature comforts that were very significant which i think that you've experienced also on the other end of the spectrum i remember coming from a school that was heated and physically comfortable to like one of my strongest memories of fifth grade in israel is that i was freezing Uh, it was some school was really cold and it was rained a lot and i was really cold and I'm sure that you know this, but I'll just share it with the people that are listening to this, that for the first year, um, everybody, everybody ate Clementine. Clementino. How do you say that in English? Like little, they're like, It's the little oranges. It's like, but they're not. They're they have not. a different smell. Yeah. Clementine. Clementine, maybe it's called. Yeah. Um, and the the smell of, the, of people peeling them was associated so strongly for me with that winter of being very, very cold and having a stomachache because of the tension of being in a new place. Mm. But I think that for 30 years, I couldn't eat them. Like every time someone peeled them. Did you know that about me? I did not. Really? So for 30 years, whenever anybody opened a clementina, which is how you say it in Hebrew, (laughs) like my stomach would hurt a little bit. I, I couldn't eat them at all. So it sort of tells me about how difficult that year was for me.
0: Yeah. And how Israeli, Israeli. is Clementine. Like, it's so Israeli. Very.
1: Yeah, it's very, very Israeli. Yeah. I mean, I bet they have them in America.
0: They do. I have two very... here right now.
1: There you go. Yeah. You bought them in the supermarket.
0: Yeah, I did. In Giant. Well, the people that listen to the first episode also know I have a thing with supermarkets.
1: I know. I yeah. listened to the first episode.
0: We actually both have things with supermarkets. We do. <laughs> so, Mom, you remember you told me the story about the shakshuka? That sounds very similar. That what? The story about the shakshuka.
1: No. Oh, when we ate it in Melchizedeklita? Yeah.
0: yeah, so when, when you moved to Israel, there's a couple of terms here that you need to know. Shul is a synagogue, a.k.a. the place of worship of uh the jewish religion and if you are a jew that either connects to the idea or or keeps it in in a certain way you do it a lot you just go to shul it's a hobby it's a full-on hobby um, and you do that as, as a family unit you do it by yourself it's like something that is very very special um like many other religions the place of worship is a big part of your of your daily life and what is shakshuka and merkaz klita
1: Wait, wait, you also have to say something about shul. Yeah. So that talks about a certain denomination of Judaism. If you're conservative, you mm-hmm. go to synagogue. And if you're reform, you go to temple. Mm-hmm. And if you're orthodox, you go to shul. That's what it was like when I was growing up. I don't know if it's exactly the same now.
0: It is, when I think about it. But when you
1: say shul, it means that you're going to an orthodox place of worship.
0: Yeah. And shul is in Yiddish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so guys, remember we, I talked uh, last time about my students. Um, the way I grew up in Israel, I grew up Orthodox. I think you say like when you think about America, modern Orthodox. Um, you know, my mom covers her hair, and and we my siblings until they decided differently. They wear kippah, which is a yarmulke, um, and and we grew up religious. Like we we had certain rules that we were you know following with, um, and. When I came to uh, to America, Mom, I, d- I didn't really, I didn't really connect to other denominations of Judaism, almost to a point that I was like, you know what, this is not, this is not really Judaism here. But like, you can't play with that. <laughs> you can't stretch, you can't stretch out this idea of Judaism so far. Um,
1: uh-huh.
0: And I think when you, you talk about comfort, you can also reflect it on Judaism, like the way it developed here. Comfort is a, is a key word in America, in my opinion. So I think um, mm-hmm. Judaism developed in different ways that also provide comfort and accessibility, um, which is a good thing sometimes, you know? This is how we keep people close to the idea of Judaism. So, Mom, remember this the Shakshuka story? Yeah,
1: yeah. So we lived in... Um We lived in a place with a bunch of other new immigrants for the first half year in Israel. I'm sure that there's a good word for it in English, but it doesn't come to mind right now. And they served this thing called shakshuka, which basically looks like egg yolks sitting in blood, or at least that's (laughs) what it looks to me. So I was not able to eat that at all. And it was served, I think, every Wednesday afternoon. So I knew that that was the day that I did not go the dining hall and eat but um but my daughter makes really good shakshuka this daughter that we're talking to now
0: yeah i do make good shakshuka how long did it take you to actually eat shakshuka
1: oh probably until you started making it yeah
0: until you were like 40
1: (laughs) right probably until i was 40 Yeah, and I, i moved here when i was 10 so that's a long time
0: yeah do you think do you think you you finished or you you fin you finished that, that transition from America to Israel.
1: That then then
0: I'm fully here. Do you fully transmit it from America to Israel? That you are fully in Israel. I don't want to say Israeli because that's you know identity is something very flexible. That you are fully <laughs> in Israel. Did that transmission ended? Transition. Tran- trans. Yes. Transition
1: i'm not a big believer in absolutes anymore in other words i think that everything in our life is somewhere somewhere on a continuum that's like one of my favorite words continuum so i don't think that there is such a thing as a hundred percent israeli in other words maybe if you're born here and your parents are born here that's it you're more Israeli than someone who moved here. But maybe it's a different way of being Israeli if you're an immigrant, Mm. because there are a lot of people that live here that come from many, many different countries all over the world. There are a lot of people that come from Russia, and there are people that come from Ukraine, and there are people that were born in in Morocco that moved here, and there are people that were um, born in the United States or other Anglo-Saxon countries that have moved here. I think that most of the people that are here from Yemen are already second generation. So the country is a big a, a big mix of different kinds of cultures and peoples and and values and and way, you know, different ways of uh of behaving and so I'm I am I live here. This is my home. Mm-hmm. There are big parts of of America of course that I miss, but this is my home. There's no question. Will I ever be um native clearly not (laughs) clearly there are always there will always be parts of me that are not 100% native it's you can't miss the fact even at the age of 53 that I'm not that I'm not born that I wasn't born here Mm -hmm. um especially when I work in the middle of the night and I start talking to people in English at four o'clock in the morning so hopefully for them they speak English too and if not well they better learn fast because it's very hard for me to speak in Hebrew. At four in the in the morning.
0: Hmm. You know that as I get older I, I older. As I as I yeah, as I get older, I I I become more and more like you. And um many times when it's late and I'm tired, I will start speaking in Hebrew instead of English in America. Because my brain just goes to the <laughs> And yeah, usually I'm very to the most
1: comfortable. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and usually I'm very like um, embarrassed because people don't really speak Hebrew in America. Um, but then I think about you and about like the giggles of, of being so tired and not really caring. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And maybe that's one of like, I hear a big advice here. That like I never thought about learning from you and i don't know you know you said that the, the idea of like absolute like all the way there is not is, yeah is getting more flexible and and maybe that's an advice
1: i think that maybe we don't always have to choose mm-hmm. as much as we think that we do and i also think, I think at think at where i am in life that you know, there are parts of me that I spent a lot of time wishing were different, mm. um, and I—I I mean, you know—that I think that we all have to work on ourselves to be better people, pretty much from the day we're born until the day that we die. Mm. But at the same time, I think that it's really important to accept who we are, and to embrace who we are, and to stop fighting that. That sense all the time. So I had that um, recently when there, w- there was a conversation happening in my in my original family, and um, and I was the pessimist. And I was my mother and my sister and my father were being optimistic, and I was being pessimistic. And I think that I'm often kind of like dark and and you know not everything is going to be okay. Hopeful kind of person. Uh, and i think i think that's okay i think that there's a voice there that needs to be heard and that it's okay not to be the person that says everything's going to be great and and I, I think it's time to embrace that i don't i think it would be good not to be sad and it would be good to try and look at the bright side of life but i'm think that it's also okay just to be who you are who i am and to stop fighting that so much I hope that I can do that. You know, I hope that I can really just accept who I am. I also think that there's more movement from acceptance than there is from an initial fight. That's also something that I learned in the past few weeks, Um, which is an obvious, it's sort of obvious, and yet here I am learning it at at the ripe old age of, of 53 is that... You know, if you try really hard not to cry, you're not a you're, you. don't cry as much as I do. I I cry much more often than you do. But if you're feeling something very deeply and you try really hard not to cry, so there's this really bad pain that you get in your throat, mm. and um, and the tears sort of just accumulate, so that when you do inevitably cry, it's sort of out of control and never-ending and overwhelming Mm. and if you just give in to that moment where you want to cry or where something is very powerful and you're feeling something very intensely so it is uncomfortable but it's uncomfortable for a few moments and then it it kind of it's like a wave It sort of it gets better it goes away a little bit and i think that's for me a, a healthier way of being now obviously you can't do that all the time everywhere but if I'm in my car and I want to cry, so cry for a few seconds and it's over. Instead of trying really, really hard not to cry. So obviously I don't mean that only about crying. I mean that about, about every intense emotion that we're having. If you're angry, instead of spending all this energy not being angry, maybe just be angry for a few minutes. and And maybe everything will be a little bit better after that instead of fighting it all the time.
0: That is one advice. I I really don't cry a lot. um, And I feel like when I cry, and this is is for me, this is genetic. That when I cry, I feel a little bit weak sometimes. Mm
1: -hmm. Like it associates
0: with with weakness. Mm -hmm. But what you were saying right now is kind of actually making it a strength. Like an ability to be there. And, like, embrace that intense feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can cry from joy. I haven't done that in a while, but you, you can cry from joy.
1: <laughs> no, mm-hmm. I actually
0: have. I actually have when my brothers got married.
1: I was going to say that Brene Brown talks a lot about the strength of vulnerability. Mm. Um, which I totally agree with, and yet I can't quite do. I totally understand what she's saying. And I'll even tell other people and talk about it with other people. Can you say what she's talking
0: wrong. about? I'm not familiar with it.
1: She she talks in general about how hard it is to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable. And that it's not really a weakness. That it is a strength. And I agree. Well, I agree with pretty much everything that I hear that Brene Brown has said. But I think that it's really really hard to do. It's really hard to agree or to let yourself be vulnerable. And when one is expressing an intense emotion, then we are being vulnerable because we're putting it out there. We're being exposed for other people to see. When you're crying, then other people know how strongly you feel about something. And they can, you know, they can be respectful of that, but they can also not be respectful of that. And I think that we, that people get and give a lot of flack for things like crying or or, you know feeling anything very deeply like whatever the comment may be Hmm.
0: is there a cost for vulnerability
1: yeah is there the cost yeah
0: like she you know it sounds like she's putting in a in a like a positive way almost Or like,
1: yeah, kind of positive. I, I I think she's trying to do that because most of us have experienced it as a very negative thing. Yeah. The minute you're vulnerable, then you can get you are more open to being hurt. And people can be very hurtful the moment that you open yourself up to any kind of um, any kind of exposure, Mm. physical or emotional or spiritual. And when you're, being, when you're being exposed, when you're being vulnerable, then, you're, I, then I think that you're also being very true to what you're feeling at that moment. So when people say hurtful things, it's kinda, it gets right into your core, which can be devastating. So we have to build up a resilience and know that even if somebody does say something, that, you know, it'll be okay. We can get up and, and move past that yeah That's a big thing in childbirth, also obviously
0: yeah from that moment of vulnerability, you get a beautiful being
1: You get a beautiful being and you're talking about the baby,
0: yeah, but also about the that, the woman
1: right that's the that is transformative is to to experience the awesome intensity and the awesome strength that a woman has and and experiences when she's giving a birth and when she's having a baby mm. not only obviously not only a baby is born but a mother is born and a, a different kind of woman is born through that experience but it is also an extremely exposed place at the same time is that you one would hope that you will be around people that you can trust.
0: Guys, this is a moment here, because, um, Mom, before, before we started the podcast, um, before, like, I decided that I want you to have on the, like, to be the first episode, I was trying to think, you know, I learned so much from you. Like, you know, you we were talking about uh, wisdom sharing the last episode, and I was like, you know, she, you know, you shared so, so much wisdom with me even if you didn't want to, just by being my mom. Um, And I was trying to think, you said one word that I was like, that's exactly... Like, this is the wisdom that I got from you in in my genes, I think. The word resilience. Mm. Like, if I want... Right now, like, when you were talking about that, this, like, sums up for me. Like... When you meet my mother, and some of you actually did. My mom was uh, in, our, in our campus um, twice, and a lot of you just know her because sh- she's there. She's just my mom. Um, you're the queen of, of transitions. You know, if, if we've been thinking about the past five years, all the transitions that you went through, and we went through, you just, you had the capability to be at the, these transitions and and excel them as much as you can and actually lead a family through many of them. And when you know, how does it connect to what we start with, like the moving to Israel? You've been doing these transitions since you were since, since you were ten. You created or, or builded this transit like this resilience that I have, that I got from you. And it's like, okay, this is, this is the tip here. This is the wisdom sharing. How do you do that? You, you from, you know, I'm just putting, putting it all together in one sentence. Transitions are hard. They're very hard. I think we both can say that. Um, transitions are when you move to a different country when you become a mother or a wife, when you decide to take a religion or leave a religion, when when your siblings or your, or your kids get married, um, when you start a new job. And if you allow yourself to be at that transition, like to kind of hold it, right? Remember when... when um, when Erchan was getting married. El-Hanan is is my younger brother and he got married like six months ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was really hard. It was hard on like all of us, but and we were kinda there. Remember? We were just talking and retalking the whole experience of of the actual wedding. Of understanding that this transition is happening and it's real and I think every time we talked about it we both cried because it was so like the feelings like you said it's not only sadness it's happiness for what he's you know for his happiness and it's it's some kind of a like like sadness because you know he's officially an adult that is leaving the like, the core family that he comes from. And I think we made it through. I didn't think we could. I really didn't think we would survive that.
1: Like You didn't think that we could get through it?
0: Yeah. Like, when I was, you know, I was not at the wedding. I was watching it from Zoom. I thought, like, it felt like my heart was breaking inside. That I wouldn't be able to, like, see him when I come back to Israel. and And, like feel the same closeness and feel a part of his life but the fact that you were talking with me about it and and my little sister we were all like the women of the family were talking about it a lot and crying together every time that we talked about literally mom every time it kind of made it like like present and there and okay and real at the same time and comforting at the same time
1: I think that it's important to say at this point in the podcast that we are or that let's I'll talk about myself mm. um, that I'm very very blessed with um, amazing children but also both of my sons got married this year and they have chosen wonderful wonderful women to spend their lives with Mm. and i feel like i have given been given the gift of two additional people that will be part of my life and i am part of their lives and i have tremendous faith in the choices that they both made Um, and at the same time it is a transition and it's not an easy transition and i'm sure that when you get married and when Adesheva gets married, it'll be a different kind of transition. Um, It was mostly joyful and exciting. And there was also a a sense of of the difficulty of transition, you know. The word transition, sorry to do this to you, honey, is also a big part of childbirth. There's this like one place in childbirth that's called transition. Do you know that?
0: No. What part is that?
1: I didn't. I, we've never talked about that.
0: We don't talk about childbirth in English. That's true. We, we
1: so in Hebrew it's English. called shlavna ma'avel. Okay. And it's between. It's. It's between when the woman becomes fully dilated right before she becomes fully dilated until she is fully dilated and then the contractions become a different kind of tra- contraction and there's a, an urge to push. In other words, there's something that changes. That,
0: that these hard moments, these hard moving from place to place, having that feeling of unknown is actually something that can have good in it and light and will kind of remind you how strong you are. Um, and maybe how strong the generations before you were like this holiday or like me when I talked to my mom or my grandmother Um, wow mom that was deep like a a deep thought right there I liked it is there one last thing you want to say before we before we wrap it up I love you (laughs) i love you too so everyone i miss you you too mom i really miss you so this was my mom lauren in you can reach out to me if you have more questions for her um or if you have more questions for me and her and we will see you next time on tell me more or we will we will have you next time on tell me more and i hope we both hope that you will have a very good
1: Physically in the way that the contractions are experienced, Um, and it's called transition. And the feeling, the physical feeling of transition, if you're doing it without any um, drugs, is is unbearable. It feels like you're going to die. It feels like, at least that was my experience, Mm -hmm. your whole body is going to break into a million pieces all over the room, and that you're not going to make it through this. And, and almost, or many women say at that point, I'm going to die. In other words, it's a normal thing for somebody to say when they're in transition. And I think that it's, I think that the, the, there's a moment of childbirth that is the opposite of dying. In other words, there's a, a closeness to the other side, whatever that is, that doesn't happen often in life. It happens during childbirth. Or may probably when you're being born also, and right before you die, or as you're dying, and it's very scary and overwhelming and like a huge abyss. You don't, you know, how am I going to make it through it through this place? So transitions are very scary, and because we don't really know what it's going to look like on the other side. So, you know, that can be when you move to another country. Or when your children get married, like, what will it be like on the other side? Will I still have, remember we talked about that, will I still have that closeness with my child that has, that is marrying somebody? Um, Will I have a relationship with the person that he's decided to marry? Or other transitions could be when you have a new job. What will it be like to be at that job? Or what will it be like... um, to be to be a different kind of daughter. So transitions are, are very scary and the other side is this huge unknown place that most people don't like to go to an unknown. You know, we'd much rather go to some place that we that we know. But I I think that that we have to remember we that's what we started to talk about is that we are resilient and every time we go through a transition, we build more resilience. And I do think that that kind of resilience can be built um, on your own. And I think that you're lucky that um, you come from a genera- you know, many generations of resilient women. In other words, I think that I'm resilient. I know that I'm resilient. But I also know that my mother is very resilient. And that her mother was also very resilient in, in different ways. But I think that that energy of women are strong. And women can... Do anything and women can get through pretty much anything is something that we that I was raised on, that then I you know raised you on, Mm -hmm. and that you will raise your children and daughters on. So, there's like a like a genetic, like you said, like a a, something that comes down through the generations of resilience, which is also part of this holiday of Hanukkah is that the Jewish people are also resilient as are many other kinds of people right yeah. but this this holiday of light and of the uh, of the jews getting get you know managing as a small group of people to be very very strong <laughs> you're laughing at me
0: i'm not oh, i'm this. just like this is amazing
1: <laughs> but the whole holiday is is a it's not really about this oil that lasted for 8 days it's about the strong small group of jewish warriors that managed to overcome, you know, ridiculous odds against a large, large army because they were resilient. So you know, it kind of all ties in. Everything, you know, it all ties in, like it always does.
0: Yeah, like it always does. Exactly. Exactly. Guys, this is how. This is how um, you can you can go through a transmission transition <laughs> transition um not successfully but you can go through it is what i'm hearing my mom saying probably for the first time like actually putting it into words if you do it and you are present like a woman having a baby saying what you're feeling letting that emotion and, and overall experience kind of get over you um and remembering that you are earning something.